This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. And welcome to the first new Newshounds episode of 2024. We are back from our winter hiatus and we have a very special guest today. I am Ryan Pitkin, your host as usual. And today we have Latasha Young, the program manager for Mecklenburg County Reentry Services. How's it going, Latasha? Great. Thank you for the invite. Absolutely. So um, this is actually a first for me. I've never recorded in the morning before. We <laughs> we called this News Hounds and it spelled Booze Hounds because we used to have cocktails during this podcast. That was that was years ago. We haven't done that in a while. But if you hear this, that is just iced coffee. Used to have Justin <laughs> mixing drinks in the background back in the day. I'm sure Brian remembers that, our producer. But um, it's my first morning recording. I kind of I kind of looking forward to just getting the day started with this. This is cool. But just to give a little context, the reason that um, I had you on today specifically. Is that so? We're just getting past Ramona Brandt Day in mm-hmm. Charlotte, and in honor of that, you and I will both be included, or I will be um, sort of moderating a panel that you'll be appearing on at an event next week. So yes. that will be March sixth, um, and that is titled "Honoring Ram- Ramona Brandt: Small Business Fuel Second Chance Employment." It's being run by the city, uh, and tell me a little bit about how you sort of landed on that. So I was invited to participate in the panel discussion by Patrice Funderburg, mm-hmm. and she is one of our partners um, with Mecklenburg County Reentry Services. So we both work on the end of making sure that individuals that have been incarcerated, um, that they're able to receive employment. Mm-hmm. She's a former guest here. She's awesome. Community for yes. Center, Center for Community Transitions. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we partner with um, C. CCT is what we call it, Mm -hmm. um, for our clients to get employment readiness skills. So once they go through that, they are able to go through a networking event through CCT to apply for employment. Mm -hmm. So we'll get we'll get a little bit more into that specific event. But let's okay before we jump too far ahead. Let's let's start from a zoom out from a zoom out lens and talk a little bit about reentry. Okay. Um, So how did you sort of get involved in this work? And, and just a quick elevator pitch for those who are fami- completely unfamiliar with the topic of what reentry really pertains to. So reentry pertains to individuals that are returning to the community from incarceration. So I started back in this work back in 2009. There was a program called the Structured Day Program, where we worked with individuals that um, were sentenced to our program. And they were like one step away from being incarcerated. So our program was an alternative to incarceration. So Structure Day eventually ended, and I ended up with reentry services through Mecklenburg County. Mm-hmm. Now, Structure Day was also under the county. Mm-hmm. So I just transitioned to reentry services. Mm-hmm. So reentry services was started back in 2013. It, it actually started as a grant program, but the county saw that there was a need for reentry services for individuals that were returning to Mecklenburg County. So the county has invested in reentry services and we're able to 
to provide a seamless transition for those that are returning from incarceration. So we provide employment, education. Uh, we also offer housing because we know that employment and housing are two of the biggest barriers mm -hmm. that individuals face when they return from prison. Right. Yes. And what are what does your sort of day to day look like in terms of right right now you're program manager, so I'm sure yes. that you actually are more of on a management scale. Yes. And there's case managers, I assume, or something of that nature under you. Yes. So mm -hmm. um, I have a team. Uh, well, seven of us, mm -hmm. and so. The day-to-day -day is that the case managers see our clients that come into the office on a day-to-day -day basis. So they're doing intakes, they're enrolling the clients, they're doing um, assessments to see if they're high risk or low risk. They are checking in with them on their case plan goals because every client that we serve has a case plan and that plan contains goals that they want to work on since they've been released. Mm -hmm. So we make sure that if there are any referrals that need to be completed, we complete those referrals, whether it's a food referral, a referral for mental health services, a referral for substance abuse. That's what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. And when does that work start in terms of a client who might be six months out, a year out from coming home? So a lot of our clients transition directly from incarceration back to Mecklenburg County. And this is prison incarceration? This is, this yes. is not so, the county jail? No. They, right. Well, they transition from the state institutions mm -hmm. as well as federal. And then we also take individuals that have served a sentence in the Mecklenburg County okay. Detention Center. Mm -hmm. Yes. So if they have been in the community, they will have had to be released at least a year in order to be eligible for our services as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what was it that sort of got you personally involved in justice and just people who are justice involved in, in helping folks? Obviously, your first job was a very different fact of divergence mm -hmm. as compared to reentry. But there is a, there is a, you're in the same sort of justice involved web. What was it that sort of made you want to get um, introduced to that line of work? I've always had a passion for helping people, mm -hmm. and I believe that everyone deserves a second chance. Mm -hmm. So that is the thing that has drawn me to reentry, and that's near and dear to my heart. Because mm -hmm. everyone that walks through our door, regardless of what they have on their background, they deserve a second chance. Mm -hmm. So I'm very passionate, as well as my team, about providing the services that they need so that they can successfully transition into the community and that they can get the services that they need. Right. And how does that, how does stigma play a role in this job just in terms of, I assume it's what we're going to be talking about in this panel mm -hmm. is second chance employment. I've covered, a, I've done a lot of reporting on this, which is how I find myself hosting or uh, moderating this panel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, employment, finding employment is probably the biggest obstacle for someone coming straight out of incarceration or any sort of justice involvement. How... How difficult of an obstacle is that for you all when you're coming from the county level and you're trying to work with, I assume you have specific community partners who you know are open to this sort of thing? Yes. So we do have community partners like the Center for Community Transitions. Mm -hmm. So they help us a lot with the employment readiness as well as the networking events that they host. We also work with another another department within the county, the Unified Workforce Development, and they understand that our guys and our ladies, they have a background and they work to also help place individuals in employment mm -hmm. with the background. 
that I would not say that it's easy. It has mm-hmm. been a struggle because a lot of times our guys will get employment, but then once that third party check comes through mm-hmm. and they're already working on a job, then they get terminated because of their background. Background check, mm-hmm. right? So there's always a barrier that we go through, but we've been a pretty successful mm-hmm. with getting our guys placed and working with our partners so that they can have employment. Are there some specific um, community partners as far as employers specifically that you, you that you all work with that are open to this, to um, hiring, second chance hiring? So a lot of our guys do warehouse work. Mm-hmm. So um, there's the warehouse out on Airwood that always hires our individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, just recently, um, one of the colleges here have started hiring the guys in the restaurant component where they have like different restaurants. Mm-hmm. So they're able to do um, restaurant work. Um, I feel like there was a... Uh, at least lip service. Someone from Bojangles. Yes, I was right. getting that ready was like to about mention a year Bojangles. Ago or something that they made an announcement that yes, they wanted to a lot, increase their hiring. Yes, a lot of our um, participants have worked at Bojangles full time. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. awesome. So, just in terms of entering this work from the um, working in divergence to, I feel like I'm saying the wrong word. Not divergence, but you were in sort of an alternative. Uh, mm-hmm. Program before, yes. Uh, to working to then sort of entering the reentry space. What were some of the obstacles or impacts that you were not familiar with moving into it that you sort of deal with on a day to day basis that might be difficulties that folks uh, that haven't been justice haven't been involved in the justice system don't know about. Uh well, I would say the transition for me from Structure Day over to reentry services, I knew about charges, but not like the detailed information about charges. Mm. Um, I think at Structure Day, those charges, it kind of scratched the surface. Um, they weren't, those charges weren't as serious as some of the charges that some of the participants we do have within our program. Mm -hmm. Um, And then within our program, we work with anybody with any charge. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just a learning curve, Um, learning what charges meant what um, in reference to individuals um, receiving TANF benefits, the charges that were not eligible, like GH&I failing. So things of that nature, those were... The barrier, well, I wouldn't say barriers, but mm-hmm. learning curves for me. Right. Yeah. And a major issue, obviously, you mentioned it right up top, is housing on top yes. of employment. Um, and a lot of times housing needs to come to support employment or, mm-hmm. you know, give someone stability coming out of incarceration. We are obviously in a huge housing crisis yes. in general in Mecklenburg County. Um, you've seen that. You said, was it 2013 that yes. you started with? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you've seen that increase greatly in the last decade. Um, How does that make your life harder in terms of, or your job harder in terms of just really having to battle against it's, it's hard for anyone to find a home without even worrying about that discrimination of someone with a criminally, with a criminal background. Well, actually at reentry services, we provide transitional housing. Oh, you do. Okay. So I know Patrice, we mentioned earlier, center for community transitions has a 30, 30, bed dorm that is for folks who are in a sort of work release program Mm -hmm. women specifically leaving incarceration 
at the end of their sentence. But you have, how does your housing, transitional housing work? So we have partnered with private landlords that believe in giving individuals a second chance. Oh, awesome. So they have homes that they were not um, occupying. So they partner with us to provide housing for our individuals that are homeless. Mm -hmm. So we're able to place individuals within our program in those homes where beds are available and they are able to stay there for three to four months, we will take care of the rent for them mm -hmm. because that gives them an opportunity to go out, complete employment readiness classes, find employment, and they don't have to worry about the rent. Right. So they can stay up to six months. We do have individuals that stay longer, mm -hmm. um, but we're able to provide them with the housing as long as they need it right. and as long as they're actively participating in our program. Mm -hmm. Yes. And do you ever deal with pushback in terms of just the, the broader scope of your program and <laughs> folks who, I don't want to name a specific political party because I know you're just a county employee trying to do your job and yes. you're not going to get political, but I'm there not. are certain <laughs> there are certain political orientations who will say, why are we spending tax money on uh, criminals, quote unquote, um, or, or housing folks coming out of prison and need to find their own way or things like that? Is that something that you all deal with during the budget process? Or, I mean, we, we live in a, we have certain county leadership that I don't think there's a lot of pushback to that, but there's, we haven't had any pushback. Yeah, no. nothing, nothing of that sort. No. Okay. And our land, our landlords that we partner with, mm -hmm. they believe in second chances. Right. If they didn't, they would not partner with us. Mm -hmm. And we have not had any issues um, within our transitional homes that will make somebody question what we're doing or mm -hmm. want or not want to partner with us. Right. Yes. And how rare is that? Do you think for? for landlords, uh, people who rent out homes in general, beyond the partners that you've already built relationships with? Because I know the city has for a while been working on passing anti-housing discrimination mm -hmm. um, ordinance or, or laws or how, I'm not sure which which it would be, but um, how, how rampant is that in terms of, I mean, I'm assuming that you're at some points your demand gets higher than your supply of what your landlords can provide. Yes, and some some landlords they don't want to rent to individuals that have backgrounds, and they have that right to have that say so because that's their home. However, um, for the ones that do, they do not give us any pushback or anything. They always want to work with us. We actually have some landlords in the community that actually reach out to us mm -hmm. to partner with us. They're just proactive and yes. they want to be a part of this movement. Yes. And mm -hmm. of course, they've heard great things about our transitional housing. Right. Yes. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And is this usually in the sense of like five units in this Apartment building, or is it usually uh, homes, condos? Homes. Okay. Yes. Right. They're homes. Is that specifically what you work with? Yes. Okay. CLT first. That's spelled C. LT1ST. It's a refreshing new podcast of Charlotte people by Charlotte people for Charlotte people. 
No bots, no AI, just real human voices. We call it news for people who are so over local news. We work with natural allies, all locally owned, like the Charlotte Ledger, Queen City Nerve, Charlotte Post, and many others. We're all about local, local, local with minimal murder and mayhem. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Instagram. Change your morning routine with us. CLT first. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. Right at the top of the month, Governor Roy Cooper signed uh, Executive Order Number 303, and it was sort of a wide scope of things where he's connecting all different government agencies to try to help in the reentry process. Called it the most significant effort targeted at strengthening reentry in state history where he's sort of making a whole of government coordination, they called it, to improve reentry. And this comes with a bunch of different things. Uh-huh. Um, I'll sort of run them, I'll, I'll run them down slowly throughout as we as we talk, but it's sort of an, a bigger national movement called Reentry 2030. Um, just in terms of, on a broad scope, does that, how does that affect your work, if at all, here at Mecklenburg County? Because I know that it does, it it does, it's the point of it is to sort of provide support for local reentry councils. Yes. So with this executive order, it actually expands services that normally our clients would not be eligible to apply for. Mm. Um, for example, they can apply for um, the medic- Medicaid now. They can apply for it before they're actually released. Mm-hmm. Um, there are Pell Grant opportunities that they'll be eligible for, and that was something that they weren't able to do able to do in past years. Mm-hmm. So the order is basically expanding services or adding services um, that will actually help those that are re-entering um, the community obtain mm-hmm. more resources that mm-hmm. they weren't able to obtain before. Okay. Yes. So when we look at some of the, these goals, and I, don't, I know these are just broad goals of the state executive order that I'm talking about here. So I'm just sort of kicking them around and some of them might not really um, apply to the county's services, but some do. Um, Do you all work in terms of education? Yes. Okay. So our program, we provide educational and vocational services to our clients. So if we have someone that comes in and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in getting a CDL or Mm -hmm. can I get a forklift training? We will pay for that. Okay. Um, And educational wise, if they want to do culinary school or if they're interested um, in something at CPCC, Mm -hmm. if we have the funds available, we will definitely refer them and help them through that process and pay for it. Right. What exactly, when does these services start in terms of like, does any of this education happen while folks are incarcerated or um, like, when do you start specifically to work with someone who is a client coming out of incarceration? So once we receive a a referral, Mm -hmm. we start working right away. Okay. So it's not like a, oh, you've reached the six month point. No. Now we do. Okay. No. So if we, we get referrals from prisons, we get them from the detention center, community members, parole, probation officers. Okay. So it comes from all over the place. Mm -hmm. And we also go into the prisons Mm -hmm. and start the intake process. We go into the detention center and we start the process as well. Mm -hmm. Um, If it is a prison that's far that we can't travel to, then we'll do an intake over the phone. Mm-hmm. So we all we will get the ball rolling with the referral. Mm-hmm. Um, we keep a close eye on their release date. 
and we have contact with them monthly so that when their release date does come, if they're transitioning to one of our transitional homes, they will already have the address. Mm -hmm. So they will be transported back to Mecklenburg and transitioned directly into our transitional transitional houses. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, the goal... um what brought that up is is increasing the number of high school and post secondary credentials earned by incarcerated individuals. That's sort of as much as you start to work with folks inside, though. That's not you. You're more of the education that you all provide funds for is is post is post incarceration, right? Yes. Right. Um, reducing the number of incarcerated individuals who are homeless. So that's that plays a big part in what you all do. Yes. With your transitional housing. Um, post-secondary degrees, increasing the number of Pell Grants, um, ensuring all in- eligible incarcerated individuals are offered the opportunity to apply for Medicaid. Is that something you all help with in terms of health care? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, the number of apprenticeships, that sounds like it sort of goes into the educational and mm-hmm. vocational training that you all do, um, and increasing the number of second-chance employer partners. So what does it mean to you to sort of be in this day-to-day work and to see that, I mean, this, as Patrice pointed out in this article that I'm referring to, and I'll link it in our in our post about this podcast, but um, as Patrice referred to, this has been an ongoing thing since around 2018, where there's been a lot of different um, legislation passed, uh, Dignity for Women Who Are Incarcerated Act, Raise the Age, Right to Work, North Carolina Reentry Action Plan, State Reentry Council Collaborative. How... How much have you seen since the, I mean, the first one of those that I just named was 2018 and then they are all after that. Um, how much has you, have you seen a push to sort of help in this, in this field as compared to the five years leading up to that to now the five years since? Well, there are actually more programs and more individuals that are boots on the ground going to employers asking to hire individuals with uh, background. Mm-hmm. Um, it's come a long way. Right. Um, and in the beginning, it was, you know, the clients just kind of going out, applying for jobs here and there. But, you know, when we really look at the two barriers that really help decrease mm-hmm. recidivism, mm-hmm. that's housing and employment. Right. So I know for our team, we have um, gone out to employers you know, just to see if they were second chance employers. Mm-hmm. We've worked with Patrice and um, her staff, you know, to have our guys hired through the employers that they've actually connected with. So it's it's a lot of a lot of people now mm-hmm. that are boots on the ground, active, really advocating for the individuals that are returning to have employment. Right. Yeah. And. I feel like we are painting a bit of a rosy picture here because mm-hmm. I'm sure that you are great at your job and I'm yeah. sure that your department <laughs> is really great at 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 run at getting people through and, and, and getting folks connected with what they need to be connected with, but your job isn't easy. It's not. Right. What are I mean, what are the things that you if you had a magic wand, if you had Governor Cooper's ear sp- personally, if you wanted to, you know, continue to build on this executive order 303 what are some of the things you think people need to be paying attention to or helping with or or pushing for i think one of the biggest things that we need to be pushing for is housing mm-hmm. um there's no affordable housing for our guys mm-hmm. even with them having employment it would be best if two people were roommates versus one one person trying to get their own place because 
of the rent prices. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I would really ask him to really look at or to make available or help in some form of fashion as far as funding is concerned is housing for individuals that are returning. Mm -hmm. Because when they return, they... They don't have a lot of anything. Mm -hmm. And through my program, we purchase clothes for them, Mm -hmm. hygiene items, and we provide them with a place to stay. But, of course, everyone will want their own place. Mm -hmm. And so housing is one of the biggest. Are folks usually housed together? They are housed together, Mm -hmm. yes. Right. And we try to make it. I mean, my fiance and I sublet a room. It's hard out here <laughs> yeah. to afford anything. Yeah, so we try to make it feel like home for them as mm-hmm. much as possible. Mm-hmm. But housing is one of those key things that returning citizens really need. Right. Yes. Absolutely. And just moving forward, do you think that? I mean, what are what are your biggest struggles in terms of? Um, Day to day, is it is it folks reaching that six months limit and maybe can't find a spot of their own in terms of housing? Um, is there extensions when that happens? We do allow them to stay longer. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't just say here's your here's six months and then you have to go. We right. don't, you know. We look at everybody on an individual case, mm-hmm. and if they're not employed, we're not going to put them out. Right. Um, we're going to allow them to continue to reside, and we're going to continue to help them apply for jobs, any skills that they need to build, we're going to assist them with that. Right. Um, Roundabout, how many clients are you actively working with at any given on any given day? Not like actually connecting with, but I mean like in your system. All together. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, the last time that I checked, we had about 296. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very specific. Yeah. So you know that. Right I, the yes. You're not saying 300. Yeah. I I always check to see mm-hmm. where we are. And are those folks in your housing program or just folks in general who are uh, uh, accessing your services? It's a mixture of both. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's so a mixture of both. Folks who might have housing, whether it be from family members or whatever, you're still working with them on education slash employment yes. slash whatever they can find. Yes. So what are you hoping to see? Obviously, you just sort of answered this question with the housing, with the housing question, um, or with the housing need. But in terms of what was what was approved through the executive order, what are you hoping to see improve now, moving forward in twenty twenty four, that might loosen up a little bit of something that you guys are are constantly struggling with? One of the things is the Medicaid expansion. Mm, yeah, um, that's because, big. Yes, because we have a lot of guys that return um, from incarceration that have significant health problems. Mm. And before, when they were released and they have these health issues, you know, we will help them the best way that we could because they wouldn't be eligible for med- Medicaid. But now that they are, we're hoping that, you know, they will receive the Medicaid and get the health care that they need because Mm -hmm. a lot of them suffer with severe medical issues. And, you know, as a program, we we don't do medical advice or anything like that, but we do try to tap into any resources in a community that will help them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Do you guys do any work with caring? I just wrote a big feature about them. That's the only reason I ask. 
Um, we have in the past, mm-hmm. not so much lately. We mm-hmm. work a lot with NC Fit through Patrice's program. Okay. Um, so they assist us with getting our clients doctor's appointments, any medications that they need, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we're moving into this, uh, and next week we'll be having this event for Second Chance Employers. Mm-hmm. The city is hosting it and um, sort of hoping to connect with more folks like that can be. Have you seen an increase in, we've, we talked a lot about landlords who are proactive in this sense, and we've talked a little bit about some of the employers here in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Have you seen sort of a loosening up in terms of those stigmas in, around employment of people wanting to hire folks uh, with the way the job market's been after COVID? Has it become more difficult, less difficult? It has become left less difficult mm-hmm. um, because we do have guys that are getting employment. Um, some of them, you know, take jobs until they can get the job that they really want. Right. And they do a lot of work in the restaurant industry. Um, but I have seen it loosen up since COVID, mm-hmm. um, especially. Right. So m- more of our guys are getting employment. Um, and in the meantime, they're like doing a trade or learning a trade on the side because mm-hmm. that's what they ultimately want to do. Right. We don't just want them to have a job. We want them to have a career. Absolutely. That's why we support them with if they want to, you know, go through a trades program, mm-hmm. we will pay for them to go through that so that they can have the career that they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned there's more folks boots on the ground sort of going around and speaking specifically to employers about the benefits of this or the need for it. Um, what is that? Is that grassroots activism? Is it more folks funded by some of the state funding that Cooper's made available? Is it? I think it's more grassroots. Okay. And then for my program, I have a resource coordinator. Mm-hmm. And before I became a program manager, I was actually the resource coordinator. Oh, okay. So on Wednesdays, Wednesday was my day to go out mm-hmm. to different places just to kind of see if they were willing to hire anyone with the background, if they were, what charges wouldn't they accept. Mm-hmm. And those were mostly like restaurants and things of that nature um, and going through a few staffing agencies. Mm-hmm. But we know with staffing agencies, the guys tend to want something more permanent, which I completely understand. But just to get them some work experience, back th- back then I would go to temp agencies just to kind of see if they will work with our guys, which they did. All right, cool. Well, that's that's sort of all the thoughts that I, that I had. Is there okay. anything on this topic just in general about your work that you do that we haven't touched on you think is important to mention? Well, I, in closing, I just want to say that, you know, in working in this field, it's important to have an open mind and Mm -hmm. understand that, you know, everybody deserves a second chance. Mm -hmm. And when they are transitioning from prison back to the community, they're not only looking for a second chance with employment, housing, they're looking for a second chance with their family, their Mm -hmm. friends, you know, their support system. Mm -hmm. So I would just ask that if you are an employer or if you are a landlord, to just please consider giving someone that's transitioning back to Mecklenburg County a second chance. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Latasha. This oh, has been this has been great. Thank you so much for the invite. And um, we're going to be on stage next Thursday, March sixth, I believe it is, um, at this event. And you can check it out. We can find. I'll, I'll link to it in the in our post. But uh, I will see you in about a week. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Cheers.
queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Queen City Podcast Network.